1: This is an Irish independent podcast. Tim Cook was the COO before he took over from Steve Jobs. So, I think the money's probably on Jeff Williams, who's the COO. He's taken over quite a lot of responsibilities over the last couple of years. Sometimes a safe pair of hands, which I suspect as you say, Jeff Williams isn't the most exciting person around, but probably that safe pair of hands is what Tim Cook believes Apple needs to continue that that growth and continue that rather than having the sort of showmanship of jobs that we've seen in the past.
0: Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. Square can help with your business needs from menu management and online ordering to payments. Visit square.com for more. Now, what's next for Apple? Who's the next CEO going to be? Are they still working on a car? Are they facing trouble in China? And will its mixed reality headset be a success? Well, Stuart Miles, a journalist and founder of the price comparison platform Squirrel, is joining me again. Stuart, you're welcome, as always, to the podcast. Yeah, Stuart, we know or we suspect that there are a few of the typical updates that Apple are organizing over the next few months, late 2023, maybe early 2024, uh, maybe 13 inch MacBook Pro with an M3 chip updated MacBook Air models an M3 Mac mini MacBook Pros. And then obviously the big one, um, which we'll get to, is the Apple Vision Pro early next year. But stepping back for a second and looking at some of the big picture uh, items, um, what? Do, it occurred to me, we, you and I were both there at the iPhone launch, the iPhone 15 launch in uh, California, and we were just having a, a chat about who we thought maybe the next CEO of Apple might be. What, what's the current thinking on that, do you think?
1: Well, I think there's quite a lot of people that would like the job. Uh, there's probably quite a few people that wouldn't necessarily like the job. And then obviously on top of that, you have people that would be good for the job and then people that want the job, but probably wouldn't be great. Um, Apple has got a very strong senior leadership team. You've got people like Craig Fralinghi, uh, You've got uh, Luca Mastrari, from, uh, who's the CFO. And you've even got people like Eddie Q, who've been around for a long time and now running up the services division. Uh, I think the money's probably on Jeff Williams, who's the COO. Uh, he's taken over quite a lot of responsibilities over the last couple of years, which would probably put him in good stead to kind of have that overarching uh, sort of feel for the business and the different parts of the business. You've also got to remember that Tim Cook was the COO before he took over from Steve Jobs. So that's kind of one of those, you know, in politics, you always kind of think, oh, has has he been foreign secretary? Yes, that's probably a big tick in that sort of sense. And and in this instance, has he been the COO? Yes. Okay, that's probably a very big tick.
0: And I remember when Tim Cook took over from Steve Jobs. And at the time, I remember some skepticism around it because Cook definitely didn't have the charisma um, that Jobs did. And you sort of get the same feeling about Jeff Williams, don't you? I mean, he he was shoehorned into some of the key sections of the, the big Apple launches earlier this month. And I wouldn't describe him as the most energetic or most charismatic uh, figure in front of the camera, but maybe that doesn't matter.
1: No, I think what Tim Cook has proved to us over the last couple of years uh, as the head of Apple is that ultimately like Steve Jobs was an amazing marketeer, right? He just, you know, had that vision, had that excitement, had the ability to get people excited, all the other stuff. But Tim Cook's actually come in and transformed Apple to be the huge behemoth from a financial and successful results-driven business that it is today. You know, Steve Jobs, for everything that he did great, was was probably, from a business perspective, was probably seen to be quite scatty mm. in that sense of not, you know, not as as sort of how do you put it, kind of sort of boring.
0: Yeah, <laughs> a, and he was hot-headed. Way. Jobs was hot-headed as well, wasn't he? He, he, he would yeah. talk about, you know, in his book, his Isaacson book, um, he had a real vendetta against Google, for example. He was convinced that Google was out to kill Apple. And, and he made sometimes decisions that maybe didn't reflect the kind of the calmness and the aura of medium to long-term thinking that Tim Cook has.
1: Yeah, and I think if you look at Tim, the way that Tim Cook's done it, you know, he's reduced the, the the supply chain. He's a master at that. You know, Apple is making a lot of money every quarter and has continued to do so, and, and therefore it's the it's the worth the, the the trillions that it is today. Partly, obviously, it's a team effort, so to speak, but partly because of the decisions he's made. And so I think sometimes a safe pair of hands, which I suspect as you say Jeff Williams isn't the most exciting person around but probably that safe pair of hands is what Tim Cook believes Apple needs to continue that that growth and continue that rather than having uh you know the sort of showmanship of of Jobs that we've seen in the past
0: yeah and Tim Cook we should add who's 63 or turning 63 i think we're expecting him to stay in place for another couple of years 2025 um from a financial perspective he has about a million shares that are, are will vest at that time. That's almost two hundred million dollars. So there's a good reason for him to stay until then. That's also maybe a nice time to see whether the Vision Pro, uh, which is maybe his second or third uh, main product, new product that he has introduced uh, in in his time at Apple, will you know will either uh, sink or swim. What what do we? Think about that. You and I have talked before about the Vision Pro, the headset. What's the, the latest prognosis, do you think, on whether or not it's capturing the imagination or whether it might work?
1: So I think from a technological point of view, uh, it's still the most advanced thing out there. It's still, for lack of a better word, magical in that sense of just it works and you're unsure of how it works and all those things. Since that time, I'm not sure whether you have, I've certainly had a chance to play with the MetaQuest 3 uh, which is Meta's variation of that. It's a seventh of the price, but it's very obvious that it's a seventh of the price. Um, you know, you've got to use controllers. The materials aren't as nice. All those kind of things. And I think while that will probably be a lot more, the Meta Quest will be a lot more approachable for more people to experience and understand VR. I think that the Vision Pro will be, you know, hard to be challenged from a technical point of view the big question and we had this every time we talk about this with you and i is that kind of sense of of what the sociological elements of this are and how we're actually use it in the workplace or in the home i thought it was really interesting meta chose to kind of focus around games around exercise around kind of my demo time with the meta was very much in you know in a room bouncing around joyful playful experiences where The Apple experience when you and I both did the demo in Cupertino earlier in the year was very much relaxed and timely. And it kind of sit on the sofa and and let things wash over you Mm. uh, rather than you kind of jumping around like a lunatic. It's amazing, isn't
0: it? Apple has an ability to put a velvet layer over what could be something really dystopian to make this kind of calm, everyday Um, experience uh, to to make it look apparent I'm not sure if you saw for example Mark Zuckerberg's recent interview with Lex Friedman where the two that yeah and it was kind of amazing but it was also a little weird
1: it was yeah I just thought it was I mean it it doesn't Lex is very kind of dry Mm. and kind of you know that doesn't help Uh, some of the words that Mark was using you know Zuckerberg was using of like oh I've I've choked you closer and things they obviously yeah. did jiu-jitsu together <laughs> yeah just just the sort of language and that kind of like ethereal kind of trippy kind of approach just it's it's great if you're an engineer and you're really into that but it's not a great way of of marketing and selling a product to a wider audience that is still trying to get their heads around virtual reality and mixed reality and augmented reality so i think i think apple's clever in the way that and it seems more so since we saw it is that it's very much about a sort of they talk about this spatial computing but it feels more about that idea of 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 letting it be a part of your workflow or your life um which i still think is a hard sell putting this massive headset on your head and and going from there but it it, the technology was good enough that i would happily you could wear it and still believe that you're in the room Hmm. where The MetaQuest 3 technology was very, I could see that I was watching a a poor, I was watching through a poor screen that I felt could be better, but it was obviously restricted by costs and and hitting that price point.
0: Yeah, we shouldn't ignore, uh, of course, as well, that we're expecting something that's going to cost between three and four grand uh, to buy, um, plus potentially uh, other subscription services or accessories. So um, there is that as well. One of the big things that has been talked about with regard to Apple and future products over the last decade, has been this idea of a car, mm. we, and and the press has been obsessed with it. Um, now, the last year or two, the rumours and the discussion and the chatter have kind of died down a little bit um, over that. And you know, I, I see some of the analysts, um, like um, uh, Ming Chi Kuo, who's one of the, the most prominent uh, Apple analysts, saying that. The Apple Car has lost visibility at the current time, and others are saying, "Well, they might have actually abandoned their initial vision of an autonomous electric car." What do you think is is likely to happen there?
1: I think uh, I think cars are, are complicated, <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly today, and they're expensive, and there's a lot of uh, excuse the pun, a lot of cogs to, in, the, in in process in, to make that mm. work. I also niggling at the back of my mind believed that it was never about a car remember probably about a decade ago it was always apple was going to make a tv mm. and it was the apple tv and it wasn't the tv little box that you know they kind of have as a hobby it was a full-blown tv and that was everybody was dead certain that was going to happen and it never did and you then look back at those times and you think well maybe apple was kind of playing around with the TV because they wanted to get into, and they were talking to lots of TV people because they wanted to get into uh, TV production with like Apple TV Plus in the end. Or maybe they wanted to understand how uh, an app would work on all the operating systems for TV so they could have that app that's not just a set-top box, but going in that way. And so there's a sort of sense in the back of my mind that says, well, if you're going to build, if you're going to understand how a car works to make that, that that operating system for a car and we saw that uh last year didn't we at, at WWDC uh the kind of the belief of car play the next iteration it's kind of running the whole of the car then not only you're going to have to employ a load of car people but you're also going to have to build some prototype cars so you can try and test this thing because you c- can't necessarily retrofit a Range Rover <laughs> or, a, or a Kia or something to to work you know to be the best solution for you and we know from 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 other experiences that Apple likes to they don't like to do things by half. And so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I think we've both been around. You know, they're kind of oh, we're going to make a headphones, so let's just build an entire building just to be able to test these headphones to make them work. And so I wonder whether the idea of 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 an Apple car is not actually the car, but it's to understand how the car works in a really great detail, and therefore. To, to create an operating system which could be available on every car. So that's that's an interesting because I'm old enough to remember and uh, you might remember this as
0: well in the 90s there was a big debate about uh, Apple clone PCs whether Apple might uh, license its operating system um, for machines that uh, didn't use uh, that, that weren't built by it and that ultimately it, it ended up deciding against that That would be interesting. I I suppose it has done a little bit of that with Apple TV. It's a set-top box and it plugs into a regular TV. You would probably argue that Apple TV, the set-top box, is probably its least successful major product. Um, And maybe it's because Apple doesn't build the TV. It would be interesting if, if that vision of Apple being the software brains of another manufacturer's car, something that Apple had no quality control over, other than the the, the you know the, the the requirements for the the OS, It'd be interesting if that happened.
1: Yeah, and I think you know that's certainly one way of looking at. It. I think to tie into that, over the last five years, we've also seen very successfully from Apple's perspective this shift into services and understanding uh, that you can make money once you're into the ecosystem. You can make a lot of money on people. Uh, subscribing to your services whether that's more storage whether that's tv whether that's fitness or what have you and i think we'll continue to see services like that continue to form but also power you know apple's sort of business approach not to move away from hardware i don't think it's ever gonna that's not what i'm saying on that front but that idea of oh how can we add another five five bucks a month ten euros a month here or, or whatever and if you can get you know anybody that drives a tesla knows that there is a 10 pound uh, i'm sure it's 10 euros probably in ireland but you know 10 pound a month subscription service for your car to allow you to get you know spotify or what have you if suddenly like apple pay or apple wallet and all those kind of things you've suddenly got millions of customers around the world paying apple 10 dollars a month to use services in their car because they've spent the money to develop a, a really good you know, operating system that that for Apple at this time, at this moment in time probably feels like a really, you know, that's a couple of billion dollar business before you have to think about, you know, marketing it or doing anything yeah. else.
0: No, I think you're dead right. Um, do you think Apple will make a folding phone?
1: If they are, and I'm sure they've looked at it, we're not going to see it anytime soon. Um, They're just the the way that the rumor mill works and the leaks and stuff. We would have had some bit of conversation by now, I think. Uh, I think folding phones are still very much, uh, I think they're still in their infancy. Uh, They are gaining popularity. There does seem to still be a a very big talking point about it. If you, it's got that, that ooh and wow moment when someone at the table is uh, pulls out a, a normally a Samsung Galaxy flip. Uh, that format, that old clamshell format seems to be the more uh the more appealing to people i, I actually
0: think that's the only one uh, that you know if you if you take it out in a pub, people will go, "Oh, what's that? If you take out the the uh, the galaxy fold, for example or or any of the larger ones, it doesn't really have the same effect. People kind of they look at it like a Frankenstein device a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and I think so there's still an excitement about it but the technology is still new there's still concerns I think over the the quality of the screen mm. you know and that fold line you know Samsung comes out and says 200,000 folds which sounds it's like in reality that's a lot that's a lot it of is. folds but because it's a number people go oh I might use it more than 200,000 <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know yeah. I really open my phone a lot what happens then and you know and even still you kind of after a couple of weeks you can still see that crease and I think for Apple, that just doesn't feel it just feels like there's too many elements to go wrong. Mm. Uh, and 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 so therefore I at the moment I don't think they're gonna they're gonna enter the market. That's not to say they they won't ever. They're very good at adapting. But I also know that they kind of when I was at the Vision Pro launch talking to some of the senior Apple execs, they were like, Well, it's gonna keep us busy for the next decade. And not many companies think in 10-year cycles. And, you know, so if you think that they're already thinking that about the Vision Pro, then the reality is is that the, the iPhone is already up to iPhone 25 <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether a foldable does feature on that, on that line.
0: Stuart Miles, journalist and founder of the Price Comparison Platform, Squirrel. Always a pleasure to to have you on on the podcast. Thank you very much for explaining that so eloquently. And thanks also to JJ Clark, who produced today, to Conan Doherty on video and to Gav Hennessy on sound. You've been watching or listening to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye bye. (laughs)